Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401 885 4209. In Massachusetts, you can reach them at 508 252 3359. Propane Heating and Cooling. It's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button, and remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment. It's Propane Plus, and remember with propane, it's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and now it's renewable. Call Propane Plus today at 401 885-4209. In Massachusetts, call them at 508-252-3359. They're very easy to navigate website. It's propaneplus.com. Propane Plus. Call them 401-885-4209. Well, folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website dipetro.com it's monday it is january 30th boy it's quite a unbelievable amount of news over the course of the weekend i want to first just start the um latest now on this mother in duxbury if you're on facebook um i posted what the father came out with a statement his first statement on saturday and i have a feeling we'll slowly start to learn more about the situation but um it, it is uh it's pretty remarkable with and if you look at the posts that i do have on the facebook page the amount of individuals who are in fact that they are supporting the mother a lot of women are coming out and supporting the mother and some people may find that surprising there's still a lot that we we don't know um i have um i i um have heard a little bit or what what some of the first responders walked into i'm gonna let uh, you know that will come out in time i just think that there's a lot about this that we don't know um what was very dramatic was the husband on saturday said that he forgives the wife lindsey clancy and, and his name is patrick and he's asking everyone else to forgive her so i think um i i know and some people are immediately going and saying that they they uh they forgive her for what happened and saying that postpartum depression is a terrible thing to be in but um i i think that if people had a better understanding of exactly what happened to those three children um eight months old well seven at the time and then the little boy turned eight on thursday but passed away died on friday three and five i i think if um if people had a better idea of exactly what went on in that house maybe not so quick to immediately just say that they uh, forgive her for what happened but we'll let that play out now friday night friday was a big news day friday the little boy who was then eight months old passed away and then callan clancy and then friday night of course was the video release of this situation in memphis so there's a couple different parts about this with with my thought with what happened in memphis and i take exception to you know governor mckee saying there's another example of racism um i don't know who wrote that i think it's lazy it's obviously not accurate you have 
those uh, those five officers are that that's an example of when you have people who should not be police officers. Uh, I don't know who trained them. I don't know why people are applauding the police chief that they're police under her with this this unit. But and but th- there's several things going on here. Anyone that watched that 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 is just that's not how it should be done. Uh, there's no reason to treat it that way. Their their methods and manner of trying to handcuff this suspect were certainly not by the book. People were saying it's worse than Rodney King. Well, the guy, the guy died in Memphis, so of course it's worse. But, but as far as what something that no one seems to be talking about, and it's a lack of talk about it, and it's both local and national, but it is that of black on black crime, or whatever way you want to describe that. Right. When, when you talk about the, the shootings and, you know, everyone likes to talk about Chicago, but what they don't talk about is that's all predominantly now. That's that's black on black crime every single weekend, all the time. You know, in Providence, when I cover a, so many of those shootings, it's all black on black crime on both sides. You don't have you don't have stories of Asian individuals pick a place. You know, two Asian men in Cumberland killed another Asian man. And the next night, two Asian men gunned down another Asian man. You don't have that. But no one, you know, they don't want to talk about that. What you saw, what we all witnessed in those videos Friday night, that's another example. And the media doesn't touch on it, but it is, is, you know, and there's a lot of different ways to go with this. But is there, it seemed to seemingly is an acceptable level of crime black on black crime and violence is what it comes down to so but that friday night for governor mckee to put out oh it's another example of the racism in our country like that that is such a lazy i don't know who put that out how do you look at what happened friday night and call that laziness every time you lower standards every time you say you know this is normally what you have to do to get on but you know we want to have this person on or we want to have more of this or that every time you change and lower the standards then you're not getting the best possible people how many people that might be better police officers were not put on to this quote elite unit i mean just as someone that's has followed I mean, you had five police officers and they couldn't handcuff that guy. Now, it can be difficult to handcuff someone. It can be. It's not as easy as people think it is. But when you have five of them and he's on the ground, I mean, ideally, I'm not saying you crush them, but if someone were to sit or kneel or just be on top of them, they're not going anywhere. The fact that that guy was able to get up and run away and then they're tasering them, and then the, they're pepper spraying each other. I mean, it was just absolutely horrible. Plus, they're out of shape. The first video they showed, the guy runs like, the police officer runs like 50 feet, and he's huffing and puffing and out of breath. I mean, there's, there's nothing about that. Now, the Rodney King situation then flamed and set off the riots of L.A., and then, and so, now keep in mind, those were white police officers, and then, you had, you know, Rodney King, who was someone of color. But but this, 
for it's as if many political leaders, and I'll put Governor McKee in that, they, they don't know how to react to it. And the media certainly did not react to it. All right, this is wrong. They're police, but they're not, you know, white police. But it's it's violence. It's black-on-black -black violence that does not get reported. Now, locally, look at, I'll just talk about our local media. They don't even talk about race anymore. A man walked in and robbed the bank. Be on the lookout for the, for the or they don't even say the man anymore, person. Right? And for fear that they're going to misgender someone. A person walked into the bank. Uh, be on the lookout. They're in uh, a black shirt with jeans and they're 5'10". You know, I mean, even our local media won't say a black male walked in, blah, blah, blah. So, but there's, there's no report of this. Locally, when we have these shootings... They don't say two black men were for, were arrested for shooting and killing another black man in Providence last night. They don't, they don't report that. They don't report anything close to it. So that needs to be addressed. That is a major issue. Now, as far as the policing, I, I don't. No one is standing by those. I, I don't know of anyone that would even consider what they were doing i i know it it drew so much attention and the riots and police brutality i just i think we're going to learn more about those officers there's nothing they did that was right you wouldn't even know that they were police officers to me their training is so poor and i'm not i'm not a member of law enforcement but i you learn a lot just by watching and riding along with them and i mean again it, it can be more difficult than people realize to handcuff someone but when you have five of them, and never mind, then he got away, took off on foot, and they're tasering. I mean, why are they tasering him? It's a traffic stop. He doesn't have a weapon. You have him out of the car. You have him on the ground. He's not going anywhere. But they were incapable. No one could get that group under control. Really, really disgraceful. Now, coming up later, I'm also going to talk about you know, and for those of you that do follow, when I go out and cover a lot of the crime, in especially in Providence, sometimes Pawtucket, Central Falls, but Providence, is you'll, you'll have a situation where someone shoots up a house. It seems odd. Somebody goes in, goes by, and they empty their barrel onto a house. Well, you know, this situation with the student at Mount Pleasant, that the assistant principal says we need to raise money for this student. Because he still owes money to those that help smuggle him, sneak him into the country. Um, I mean, we've talked about that. I, I broadcast from D.C. We've talked about it's a cottage industry. They call themselves these coyotes. You pay them a certain amount of money, like a tour guide, and they'll get you in. So apparently they also have flexible payment plans. But what is not talked about is the fact that if you don't pay them, that there's either going to be violence on this end meaning they'll send cartel members to Providence, Pawtucket, Central Falls to send a message they want the money, or more likely they'll hurt your family back in whatever it is country that you came from, whether it's Mexico or Guatemala or somewhere south of the border, so to speak. So I know there's a lot of focus on that, but I, I never hear anyone talk about some of the side effects, You know, whether it's Governor McKee wants to give them driver's licenses or Mayor Lorza running a sanctuary city. 
and running a sanctuary state, when you do that, you invite that type of crime in. And you never hear local leaders talk about uh, potentially, you know, cartel violence. I've talked about it. Some of the gang members they, they uh, arrest and find here from some very dangerous gangs. Uh, again, in South America, Nicaragua, uh, dangerous gang members from Venezuela, wherever, cartel members from Mexico. But Governor McKee, what does he say? Oh, no, they're an important part of the, the fabric of the state. Lieutenant Governor Matto says, no, they're Rhode Islanders. Well, they're actually, it's highly unusual that a Rhode Islander, let's say Stephen Sikosha, would have a Mexican drug cartel involved in coming here to try to get payment. And it sets up a very dangerous situation. Now, if this student doesn't pay them, then, then what happens? Is there going to be violence here or is there going to be violence back where with their family, wherever they came from? But the money's coming somewhere. The debt has to be paid. All right. It's Monday. A lot more on this. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Next time you have an emergency, think AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Johnston. That's right in the Atwood Medical Center. And also, 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, right across from Felicia's. At Med Urgent Care, when you have an emergency, they specialize ambulatory medicine. They provide immunization, school, and sports physicals. At At Med Urgent Care, they provide comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals families they're on duty at all times they're open seven days a week walk-in routine urgent care minor surgical now if you're in a car accident go to atment urgent care avoid the long wait at the emergency rooms they also do adult vaccinations laboratory testing atment urgent care when it's an emergency 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnston. That's right in the Atwood Medical Center. And also 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, online at admedurgentcare.net. Folks, you are listening to the John DePietro Show. It's weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, dePietro.com. It's time for our segment, Politics This Week. Joining me, he's the managing editor at AnchorRising.com. It is our friend Justin Katz. Justin, I'd like to start off with uh, Dan McGowan has a piece in this morning's Boston Globe. Uh, it's crown. It, um, I mean, I, what I find frightening is is how much we, we're all aware of it. And it's basically this to me defines the pay to play system. For those that wonder why the state has a reputation, it's 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 transactional. It is the three most powerful people all get together and if you want to play in the system you have to show up pay your tribute uh i actually attended one of these not as someone donating but just to observe and they literally all make a beeline the person stands there and you know they're they're keeping track of who comes and who doesn't and it's um it's all perfectly legal but i i just i find it very very distasteful (laughs) it is it is it's it's 
it's like the opening scene in the first Godfather movie, right? Everybody's yeah. showing up. Uh, I like to that. Make their introduction. They have to make sure they were seen there. They might have to be called on to make a a, a promise that they they have to pay back someday. Uh, it's just yeah, it's it's not a it's not a good system. It's not clear to me. And you know, keep in mind this goes on despite all these campaign finance things. Tomorrow's yeah. the day. Everybody in Rhode Island has to be sure to file their campaign. Uh, their campaign reports, even if they haven't run in years, they're just sort of not closing their accounts. They just, you know, that's crucial. It's crucial that I send a report saying I did nothing <laughs> this month uh, to the state because otherwise who knows what corruption could happen. And yet here you go, as long as they all you know, line up and, and kiss the ring and hand over some money, as long as it's all written down somewhere, this is all perfectly correct. It's just, it's a, it's a gross system. Um, the problem is there's there's really only one way to cure it, and that's to reduce. Well, two ways. Well, one, the first part is to make sure that you've got a competitive system where people can actually lose, because then they can't just hand out favors because for purchase favors because they know they'll face voters ultimately. And the second is to get the power out of government and and make sure there's not so much power to buy and influence to buy by giving money to these these largely incompetent people. So that's, that's what it is. But, you know, in a, in a long run, it's in a short run, it's not clear what we can really do about it. Yeah. It's also, and I want, I don't want to kind of talk too inside that people don't understand, but they have it in, in the month of January. So it's the beginning of the session and it's all on three different nights and you have the speaker and the Senate president. And by the way, it's also fill in the blank of whoever, because Nick Mattiello had his there and, and Murphy had his there and, uh, and I get the element of Crown Plaza essentially located, but but they stand at the door and all the people that want to do business with the state walk in and they show that they're handing a check to pay to play and they thank them for coming and attendance is kept. And and then fast forward, you know, maybe it's April or May and someone is saying, hey, I need a favor and or, hey, I need this piece of legislation or blah, blah, blah. And pretty simple they keep track of who well where were you in january Mm. when the session started and that was the uh the time to do it what do you make of the fact that um and i have my own thought on this but i would hear but but it was it's widely discussed that governor mckee had had the worst showing of all and he they tried to make different excuses of uh oh you know he had some other smaller fundraisers but what what do you what what are we to make of the fact that of the three of them governor mckee had kind of a sparse turnout well, I mean, it's it's not that surprising. Governor Governor McKee has has no real support. He, right. he had he can only buy votes. He's the buyer. I mean, he's not or buy support he's, from insiders. They don't have to pay him to give them what they want. He, they own him. He and that's that's the problem he's in. And I think it's why we see him making bizarre statements all over the place on this issue or that issue. He's just he 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 doesn't he hasn't built any support. He hasn't done anything independently that makes him an attractive political figure. He's kind of goofy and and ham-handed at the politics itself. So yeah, why would why would I go give the governor money when he's the one looking for handouts from other people? I mean, looking for looking to buy votes from other people. There's no. Right. It's sort of it's sort of like I will go. I'll just go directly to the to the source if I want if I want something from the unions who own McKee. I'll go to them. I don't need to go to McKee first to get something it's from. True. Them. And yeah. if and ultimately the legislature. I mean, this is. This is something we forget from time to time in Rhode Island, but the legislature holds 
all the power ultimately the right. the governor is in some ways a, a figurehead and or a, just a, just somebody to kind of help keep some control and, and has a bully pulpit but that's about the extent of his influence so you know as an un as a not very popular person who doesn't have a whole lot of power why why would anybody i mean the transaction just doesn't make sense you know that's an excellent observation again folks our segment is politics so we and Justin, I go back to, we're, they're going to repeatedly see this. Um, he didn't win primary day. He wasn't the chosen one. It was Helena folks, despite buying all these people and buying votes. And, and his other battle, it, it, the only thing that did give him some element of power was the fact, number one, he became governor early because Gina Raimondo left. And number two, all that COVID money, which normally it's, it's the House that controls all the money. It was unusual that we had a sitting governor that had control over all the purse springs and the purse strings. And then we, we saw what he did with them, but it wasn't lost. And, uh, <clears throat> and it's definitely out there on people how, I mean, there he is of the three of them and sparsely attended. And then they would try to say, well, it was supposed to snow that night, <laughs> but um, I, we really didn't get any snow. Now I also want to hear your thoughts on um, the McKee, the central falls, Pawtucket train station. Um, it's, it's, you know, an added stop between Providence and Attleboro. It's not really in a good section. Um, it was thrown down. To me, this is another example of, you know, just a, a gift to labor, much like we talked about the Wickford train station that was, that doesn't make sense, 3,500 car garage, and then it always just sits empty. This This wasn't really built for commuters um it, it never mind to get them to go out of out of state it to me it was built they got the federal money and then it just becomes another gift to labor and they let them build a train station but what did you make of the uh, the opening of the train station well the 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 pictures and such of, of all the uh all the public officials riding on a train were, were pretty laughable i mean it's just it, yeah. you, you get the impression that that's really the point Right. The, the point is the politicians. It's not like they had they had pictures of let's open this up. And there are all kinds of exciting, excited people there. You know, I, I mean, I remember the the highway bridge. I remember when that opened and it wasn't you know, that was another arguably another gift to labor, trying to open up some land, too, for the wealthy property owners and so on and so forth. But the, the opening day was bunches of people walking across the bridge i mean so so yeah. the image of what i'm thinking of is the image of all these people that are walking a bridge it's for the people it's for rhode islanders it's our travel this was like a dozen powerful mostly white politicians in rhode island who are look at us we got a train station built it's it's something we paid for you, you know that's that's basically the impression and i think the to me the the bigger policy questions on these are, are really really should open people's eyes i mean if you if you're building a train station that connects these smaller cities to Providence and Boston, ultimately, you're you kind of want something for people to travel to in Rhode Island. Yes. Right? And we don't our business environment. We're not fixing that. We're not making that better. So it's not going to it's not like people are trying to get Rhode, to Rhode Island to open open businesses and they just can't do it because there's no transportation. What it is, it's the other way around. The, the property values in Massachusetts are so high that this will be a draw from, if anything. So you'll have more people yes. use the easier commute to Boston to live That's in right. Rhode Island. That's going to drive up property values, which is going to make housing more expensive, which is the big thing that the progressives and the, the Democrats complain about all the time. And so they yep. don't want that. So it's it's just this confused mess of, of 
policies that nobody thinks through because what they're doing is they're satisfying special interests. They're paying union. They're, they're making, creating jobs for union members. That's how we're governing. And it's really a bad idea because what you end up doing is you end up, this is how you end up with housing costs out of control. When you don't, when you, you're not thinking about, okay, we're going to have more transportation here is that either it's going to sit empty and it'll be a waste of money or people are going to use it and do we want them to use it have we set up the system that can make the most value of this new transportation just nobody nobody in the state thinks it this way it's not even a discussion i mean maybe somebody will think to raise it as a talking point during a, a legislative hearing or something but it's just not it's not the way they think and that's why we're in the condition we are and i think it's why when the covid money dries up we're gonna we're either gonna have to go scrambling for the next windfall or we're in big big trouble do you um do you think will it drive any eco- economic development to that area of, of central Folsom to talk it? i you know i i think indirectly i think it may it it may start to create as I said, people who want to work in the Boston area who can okay. get there more easily and they'll get housing, but that's going to be a problem because that'll, they'll drive up the cost of housing and people are going to sell and it'll be great sure. for people who own houses that are lower value now and the prices keep going up. I th- so I think that's, if it, if any, if it's used at all, I think that's what we're going to see. I don't know at this point if what the value proposition is for, you know, commuting to Pawtucket or, or central falls, but if anything, I think that's what we'll see for economic development. Folks, quick break. Much more head politics this week. Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorising.com, right here on the John DePietro Show. For over 125 years, Ameriprise Financial has provided advice for clients' unique goals, help millions of Americans retire on their terms. Now, as we're at the end of the year, beginning of a new year, why not take advantage of our free consultation? Call Tom Bryan today. Ameriprise Financial, 401-434-1510. Offices located 400 Massasoit Avenue in East Providence put the strength of a leader in retirement planning to work for for you through a personal one-on-one relationship. Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial Advisors, 401-434-1510. Get solid advice. Get a plan, whether it's for yourself you and a spouse, maybe your children or grandchildren, take advantage of this free consultation, Ameriprise Financial, 401-434-1510. Call right now, 401-434-1510. Tom Bryan, Ameriprise Financial Advisors. Our segment is Politics This Week. With us is Justin Katz, Managing Editor, AnchorRising.com. Justin, this next story, it's a little unusual, and I, I don't think, a lot of key elements of it have uh, have surfaced or come out, but there's a story that broke that uh, there's a, a assistant principal at Mount Pleasant High School, and she sent out an email that one of the students still owes money to. Um, as someone that has covered the border, if if you want to get over, it's a cottage industry, it's big business. They hire these; they call them coyotes, but they are the people. They're like the tour guides. They will ensure you pay them that you will, you know, get over the border. So there's a young man apparently in Mount Pleasant and he still owes money to one of these quote coyotes that got him or him and his family, whoever into the country and sent out an email trying to raise money for him. So as much as people are saying, you know, it's incorrect. And, And I also want to point out the union attacked the vice principal because the vice principal of Mount Pleasant 
is not a member of the teachers union. You wouldn't hear anything about this if this was a teacher that did it. But besides some of the normal reactions of, of um, the fact that, you know, it shouldn't be done and the principals, you know, said that that's not the proper place to do it. I think it also underscores, see, this is to me a larger part of the problem of a laws of making Providence a sanctuary city. Uh, many times when I'm in the city and there's kinds of violence that a house is shot up or things like that, make no mistake, the cartel, they'll come and they want their money or they'll go after your family down in Mexico or Guatemala, wherever you're from. So, but um, what are your thoughts on this situation of the fundraising email for the student, for the coyotes? Well, for me, the top line red flag is that this assistant principal, Stephanie Harvey, <clears throat> she's taken down her Twitter feed, but apparently it did, <coughs> excuse me, identify her as a queer activist right in her Twitter bio. And yep. that's, that's the red flag. Don't hire those people because they're not, they don't see education as education to provide a service. They see it as radical indoctrination and revolutionary activity. Right. <laughs> so it's perfectly in keeping that she'd want to want to help raise money for basically human traffickers to increase illegal immigration. It's just part of the activism. Um, notice again, I'm not sure how someone like that uh, is in fact the, uh, the vice principal. But I also notice, you know, if you just step back, you you never hear like Governor McKee saying, you know, or Lieutenant Governor Matos, they're Rhode Islanders. And Governor McKee saying they're part of the economy. And uh, especially during COVID, there was an awful lot of talk about, you know, they're here. You and I discussed how they were counted as part of the census. Uh, they act <clears throat> actively recruit encourage illegals to come in some people are just completely confused and say well you know how come they're not deported because they don't deport anyone but justin i see this as it's politicians mainly people like mckee uh who also is going to give them driver's licenses allures of matos they create an atmosphere but it's almost like if you when you buy something like a some kind of a drug at the at a pharmacy they on the back they have caution here are some of the the symptoms that can happen in some of the side effects. Well, to me, this is one of the side effects that if you're coming in illegally, they're more likely than not involved with some kind of illegal network to get them here. And now you're opening the city and the state to this type of violence when you kind of allow these types of people to arrive in your state. Well, I think so, but I think I'm not sure that's a, a negative to the people who support this sort of stuff. I mean, the, the queer activists, this is what they want. The, they're, they're Marxist revolutionaries. They want things to be confused and broken down. They're, they're trying to overturn the existing system. And that's what they, I mean, that's why they're in education in the first place, a lot of these people, I think. They, they want to make it, they want to make sure that it's difficult to exist in the existing system. This is why you get critical race theory, queer theory. They want people to be confused and, and unhappy and dissatisfied so that they become revolutionaries and bring about the socialist revolution. I think that's what you see with this sort of person. And it's to some extent, I think this assistant principal really just kind of said the quiet part out loud to some extent. I think this is our system increasingly in Rhode Island is built 
to foster this sort of attitude. And it's the, it's that whole collection of, of issues, the, the identity politics, the queer theory, the, the uh, illegal immigration, all the abortion stuff. It's disruptive. It's, it's supposed to do that. And so it's, it's really not that surprising. And I, it's almost, I wonder if you, you might've put your finger right on it where it's only surprising and it's only controversial because it's a way for the union to hit this particular non-union assistant principle. Yes. That's right. I mean, that's, that may be it. I mean, otherwise they'd be out just fine with it. Yeah, let's pay the human traffickers to bring people to Rhode Island. And that goes back to, the, you know, that's their system. They want as many of these people as they can, as long as they can get other people to fund uh, all their public services, that's just dandy for them. And so that's that's where this, yeah, I think it's a an indication of rot. I mean, sometimes when I was in construction, you would see a little spot on a ceiling and you kind of think, oh no, that could be something more important. And you, we better start taking things apart to fix that leak or whatever it was. Right. Uh, that's what we're seeing in these sorts of indications. And pe- people really need to start to wake up to it. But I, I worry that nobody really feels like they can say anything because they, they're just, everybody's pinned down by accusations of racism. I mean, can you imagine Imagine a politician in Rhode Island trying to take advantage of this for for as part of their to set it forward a different kind of agenda. It would be they'd be white supremacists, they'd be racist, they'd be attacked, their their life their livelihood would be gone after, their employer would be contacted. So I I I'm not sure there's any way for our political system to adjust uh, against what's really a, a destructive destructive uh, movement in our state. And don't don't doubt that this is very much related to the kids doing terribly in school exactly. and, and yes. being deprived of their education. This is the focus of the system, raising money right. for traffickers to bring in illegal immigrants by the queer activists assistant principal. That's the focus of the system, not reading, not math. That's This is what they really care about. And it's just a matter of how quickly they can implement things. Justin, um, Governor McKee uh, appeared with these abortion activists. This goes back to in order to get Helena folks on board after he uh, supposedly beat her in the primary. Uh, But it it has to do with this business that it's it's really they want, even though, uh, you know, most people are covered. I think Jessica De La Cruz uh, state senator made made a strong point that this whole business that Governor McKee that why should taxpayers be forced to pay for it? What do you make of of him saying you know we're going to make this happen and uh, we're going to get it done and they're going to need to move faster on this even though I mean that's obviously not the way it works up there but like of all the priorities what do you make of of him you know trying to really lead the charge on this? Well, it's either payback or uh, or seeking support, because as, as we said a few minutes ago, he, sure. he doesn't have any support. He's got to just jump on these bandwagons. It's, it's like he's he's just along for the ride to some extent, whatever, whatever his what he's whatever the Democrat base he thinks wants. He's he's all about it. There's no principle involved. There's no anything. It's just uh, and you could see it in progressives haven't been having been so skeptical of him for so long i mean he, he almost lost the lieutenant governor race to aaron regenberg because right. he believes he has these progressive principles he's just saying my my advocacy is up for purchase i just want to win and whatever i have to say or do to get there will be will be just fine and so i i see this right in keeping with the tweets he's putting out about national issues like the the lunar uh the Lunar New Year tweet yeah. a few weeks ago, 
and and the tweet about racism in memphis you know and it's black cops kill a black man you know he's just just ham-handedly saying whatever he thinks will will gain him just even a little bit more support in his base because he's terrified uh just he's he's rightly terrified that he won't win because he's incompetent he hasn't done anything folks quick break much more ahead politics this week justin katz managing editor anchorising.com right here on the john DePietro show get the most of your outdoor space with limitless outdoors call today for a free quote 401-580-1852 limitless outdoors they specialize in patios walkways steps they did a fantastic job on my outside steps outdoor kitchens landscape lighting retaining walls lawn installations excavation call limitless outdoors today let's dream build and enjoy 401-580-1852 based in smithfield limitless outdoors they also do indoor fireplaces or outdoor fireplaces limitless outdoors call them today free quote get the most of your outside you're gonna love what they can do for you 401-580-1852 401-580-1852 limitless outdoors dream build enjoy Our segment is politics this week. With me is the managing editor, AnchorRising.com. It's Justin Katz. Justin, let's talk a little bit about Memphis and locally. I know BLM is uh, uh, the pact anyway. They're going to have like a some kind of a gathering. Uh, certainly not going to be reminiscent of 2020. Governor McKee, I think, put out, that was embarrassing, put out a tweet talking about systemic racism. Anyone that paid attention and saw it, um, you, you're talking about five officers of color that tragically uh, beat that. I, I want to even go into the a big topic that's not being discussed. Now, first of all, you know, the, these these guys shouldn't have been police officers. And that was so over the top and so out of control. It was bad policing is what it what it was. But there's two different elements of this that I think come into play that no one has talked about. Number is number one is no one says anything the amount of black on black violence and crime. When I'm out in Providence and I'm covering some of this you know, the, the the media and the local leaders, they never mentioned that, you know, two two black men went last night and killed another black man in Providence or let alone what goes on in some of the bigger cities of Chicago. But another part that no one wants to talk about other than the, the, the violence, everyday violence of black on black crime. If you had constant all these, you know, uh, white men killing other white men, well, it was glorified as organized crime and it was constantly in, in the press and identified that way. But to me, another part that no one talks about is when they lower standards to hit and they they want a police force or whatever to reflect. And in order to do that, we're going to lower the standards. So instead of getting the best possible people, we're going to get people, you know, and kind of, you know, uh, look, look away a little bit and allow this one on, even though he's probably not the most confident. And, and, And by doing that. You, you get people that probably, you know, who definitely should not be having a badge and be on a police department. So I want to hear your thoughts a little bit on the reaction, political reaction of Memphis. 
Well, I think that's right. And I, th I think it's in keeping with some of the other topics we've been discussing. The The goal is to disrupt. I mean, you can't, right. at a certain point, you can't look at progressive politics and, and assume they're just that dumb and don't see the obvious consequences of what they do. And so what you get is not only do you have this identity politics where we just have, we have to lower standards for, for identity politics. And you get this with the police, with race, you get it with firefighters and particularly there, it's usually uh, sex where they're lowering standards in order to get more females on on fire departments, which you know does not sound like a great idea to lower standards in a situation like that. So you've got that, and then you've got the defund the police movement and and the riots and all that. That and I think that's when Memphis lowered their standards around that time, um, partly because people don't want to be police if they're going to be vilified and and they're going to be attacked all the time and, and are going to be the villains of society like that. And so you end up with a lower lower caliber people who who some of the controls. Sometimes, you know, the standardized testing isn't just a way to keep out, uh, you know, minorities, it's, which is the claim in some cases. It's, it's to have a baseline of, okay, you're, you're able to focus, you're able to pass this test, you're able to do this, you've got the physicality to do that. That's really, uh, once you start getting rid of those controls, you get people who probably, you know, this, this job was just better paying than the other one they would have gotten. And they, they, shouldn't they shouldn't be police. And what do you get? You get incidents like this, which then the progressives take and turn around to amp up their, their revolutionary fervor again. That's, that's what's going on with these situations. And what's, what's disappointing is when somebody like McKee or, or other politicians across the country, I mean, we're not, it's not like Memphis is next door to us here. Um, that's, when they try to capitalize on it to prove their own bona fides, they just, they look dumb, but they yeah. indicate where we're going. It's just, it's just, you have to, you have to say this. And that's, that's actually starts to become dangerous because then people can't respond and try to speak rationally about it because the people who are supposed to be representing us are just a bunch of, they're either, they're either fooled and brainwashed by the cult or they're cynical and just trying to capitalize on it. And that's either way, it's not a good thing. I will share with you that in, in the past when I've tried to have a conversation with and even like one of the heads of Black Lives Matter, PAC and so forth, and talk about that. They, they never say anything when there's all this violence in Providence about, you know, black men killing other black men. All they end up doing is blaming it. They, they always just pass the buck. It's not a discussion they want to have. I, I think even the Memphis situation, when people first heard about this. The year kind of went out of the balloon when they realized they, it's almost like they're not sure how to react to it. Even the media, um, because they were, you know, five, five black cops in Memphis that, that did this because the media was initially saying and even the, you know, people were saying it was worse than Rodney King. Rodney King is, is alive. Rodney King was not killed, although he may have died since then. But it's almost as if they weren't sure how to react to it because then they don't want to criticize anyone of color in the equation. One of the guys had been a correctional officer and he ran into a problem with violence. Those guys, they were breaking all types of procedure. Uh, as someone that I travel with police and have covered police, you never see that type of thing. There's, it, there's much easier ways to get someone in handcuffs than the tasering them and using pepper spray. But it's almost they were caught, the media and, and some of the other, the Democrat Party were caught like it was in a quandary, Justin, that, that like we have to find a way to bring this back to racism because we don't want to blame anyone of color in the equation. And even, you know, the police chief that they were all praising, I, I don't know how these guys were an elite unit based on the things they were doing. So now I'm also curious to hear your thoughts. And again, folks, our segment is politics this week. Well, you and I had talked about it, and now it's official. 
Donnie Anderson, the former Donald Anderson, who now is apparently transgender, he has been elected as the president of the Women's Caucus. Cynthia Mendez is the vice president. Um, I think this, again, I, I, I don't know what to make of this. Again, it doesn't impact my life, your life. I'm not afraid for children to see this or anything else. But I just think it's more defining of what the Democrat Party is is becoming. And you see other instances of it as, you know, look at like that White House press person, uh, John Pierre, Jean Pierre, where, I mean, she's so terrible in her job and, and bumbling through the document problem. But that's not why she was chosen. She was chosen and people applauded. Isn't this fantastic? We're going to have the first woman of color who's also in a same-sex relationship. And then they're, they're almost surprised when the things go south, when they consistently, they don't pick the best possible person for the job. They pick, as you talk about, identity politics, someone just to make a statement. Yeah, and well, but we, what I've said before is it's, it makes you think they don't think the things these people are doing are actually important or serious. Um, I, I don't know if you've seen on, uh, it's been going around Twitter. There's a, a transgender person, I think in uh, somewhere in Europe, a middle-aged man in his fifties says he's a ice princess. And so somehow he's taking center ice at this big ice skating event and he can't do it. He falls down. One of the, one of the females with the flags going around the rink has to come over and help him up. And he, just, he looks terrified. How does somebody, just because I say I'm a woman, I'm suddenly able to go be put on a spotlight on at this big event on the ice. I think that's see, obviously that's not a very important job. Whoever, whoever gets to be seen on the ice, obviously the entertainers, the organizers don't think that's a very important thing. And you have to come to that same kind of conclusion. If I'm picking people based on their, their, identity and a self-chosen identity at that, then I'm not really the thing that I'm having them do. I'm not, I'm, I can't possibly be, be picking the best person because the odds are against it when you say, all right, this person has to become, uh, be, have this job. So I think what, what it really comes down to for me, and, and as you said, you know, the, the fact that it's done is not that it has very little limited effect on anybody's life, but the, the processes that make it happen, that's the thing that's kind of scary. I mean, it was uncontested. Nobody else wanted this position. Nobody else. Uh, this, I'm speaking of Donnie Anderson now. Nobody else wanted the, the job. None of the women in the Democrat women caucus said, you know what, just, just let's have a, a, a woman by birth be the leader of this group. They, they can't say that. They've got to go along and either it's because they're all brainwashed or because they're terrified of, of what will happen if, if they, they try to push back. And when they do try to push back, how far can they really go? Can they say, um, yeah, we need, a, we need an actual woman in this role? No, they'll be attacked by their own caucus. Anderson actually was quoted as saying, uh, on, to be honest with you, I was a little surprised that my acceptance was so complete. Yeah, everybody's terrified or brainwashed. What'll right. be interesting is when this gets out into kind of the broader society. And here is where I wonder, I, I wonder how far we've gone. So when, when for example, they, they've already targeted a couple areas that are going to be active. Say in Richmond, there's a controversy over a progressive who wanted the school committee seat, and conservative uh, Clay Johnson of the Gatsby Project was appointed by the council to that seat. Uh, Will other people say, look, 
look what this person represents. Look who's backing her is this crazy Democrat women's caucus that has a man as its leader that can people say that? I don't know. I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hesitant to say things like that myself and I'm not running for political office. So it's, it's kind of a, we're, we're in this bind, I think where everybody's just terrified. And so you get people who can't ice skate taking center center stage and the spotlight on a, on an ice rink because everybody does it. Nobody knows how to respond to this. It's just so crazy. And, and as I've been saying this morning, it seems to be the theme, you know, that, that, it's like they're trying to destroy our sense of reality and our very our our, our civilization. It's, I mean, it feels like that. Yeah, just someone that I mean, I've covered him for years. He doesn't really have a congregation. He announces he's the Reverend, or used to be Donald Anderson, and then he announced. And the Journal loved the story of, you know, it's like a Caitlyn Jenner thing. I don't think he had any medical procedure. He now just grew his hair long and now he calls himself Donnie Anderson but now the new head of the Women's Caucus happens to be a transgender man I think though Justin to me it's kind of reminiscent of and it was a big controversy remember that Rachel whatever her name was Dolez or something like that that it Dolez, turned out she, Do, that's right she was the head of the, the BLM I think it was uh, up in the Pacific uh, Northwest and, and she happened to be white and so now I don't know about that like now she was driven out but I don't know if that would happen now. I think now we've, we, with the transgender, we've, and the ice princess, we've reached this point that, who's to, who's to say that then the the new leader of the B, of BLM is 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 going to be a white person? Now, I'm also curious, uh, Justin, in Providence, I think this is one of those situations where the media could be more aggressive. But you know, these parents complaining because they're going to close some of these schools, especially the Broad Street School. I mean, just some of the the facts that are not brought out. And and to me, it's the union organizes these parents. They get them out there. We can't close our school. The union leaked it before the, uh, you know, Department of Ed could could get it out there. But the fact of the matter is that no one, none of these kids walk to school anymore. They were all bust. So it's really a matter of you're either busing them, you know, a mile or two miles to your left or you're busing them a mile or two miles to your right. So there's no element of that. But all of this outrage with the parents, and I, again, believe it's set up by the union, um, about the closing of the school. No one touches on the fact that, as you and I talk, the proficiency in these schools are, are, are just embarrassing. They're pathetic. If, any, if the parents should be upset about anything, it should be on what's currently happening in the school. Um, it, it's all, as they talk about, adult-centric. It's, this is all about... They're not worried about closing the school. They're worried about then they start to trim the workforce. So, but this business of in the media, you know, these parents and they don't want their school to close and and it's an old school and everything. The, I think the worst part about it is that there's no one learning in that school. There's no one reading or doing math at gr- at grade level. It's it let, let's it's expensive daycare is what it is, and the kids are bust in. Yeah, I'm, I mean, the outrage, what you ought to see outraged parents doing is telling unions, just stop, just stop. They're trying to right. improve the system. Get out of the way. <laughs> that's it. Period. You're not doing your job. And that's what that's what I find so striking. This is um, closing these schools is part of uh, tens and tens of millions of dollars being spent on Providence schools, largely, you know, m- money flowing through from the federal government, probably from COVID, but so there's so much money around, but we're spending tens of millions of dollars fixing schools. Part of that, they're closing down three of them. That's that's a big reorganization that 
people ought to be hopeful about. I mean, I don't know the right. details. I don't know if it was done well, but it's the sort of thing people should be hopeful about and that the union should be embarrassed about nitpicking. Oh, they're going to close this school. They're going to close that school. And, you know, these are the same union members who keep those pictures in their drawers and love to bring it out. Oh, look, That's we've right. got we've got mold. We've got rats. We've got ceiling panels falling down. I've got the pictures right here. They love that. But, oh, okay, fine. We're going to close these schools and, and that are, that are you know, a century old maybe, and we're going to build some new ones. No, 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 no. You can't do that. We're going to lose. You're going to reduce our jobs. It's just it's so laughable. And I think it's indicative of, of why we're in a condition we're in that we've got this, we've got this system where the powerful voices are always looking for that, that angle for where, how they can benefit from anything that's done, whether it's, whether it's good or bad or indifferent. Oh, you're, you, the schools are falling apart. I'm going to benefit from that. You're going to build new schools. I'm going to benefit from that. It's just, it's gross. And that's what ought to generate the outrage from the parents. But the fact that we don't see it, uh, I think in, is, is really telling. And it, it's telling of, of why we've accepted this kind of, it's not even mediocrity anymore. It's, it's substandard services. Folks, he, again, our segment is Politics This Week. He's the managing editor, anchorising.com, Justin Katz. Justin, excellent job as always, and we'll talk to you again. Thank you, John. I'll talk to you soon. It's getting cold already this winter. Keep your family, your employees warm with Matthews Oil Company. Call them today, 401-942-7500. Matthews Oil Company. 24-hour emergency service. For over four generations, they make it easy to keep your home comfortable and safe trusted oil delivery call matthews oil company today 401-942-7500 you can find them online matthewsoil.com matthews oil premier dealer rhode island delivering the highest quality heating fuels at matthews oil they take pride providing reliable affordable service for you and your family celebrating 90 years of service call them now it's going to be a cold winter get that tank filled Call Matthews Oil Company today, 401-942-7500. In an emergency, they offer 24-hour emergency service. Matthews Oil Company, 401-942-7500. 24-hour emergency service, right, Jim? Yes. And 24 hour. for right now, it is expensive for people. You'll work out payment plans for individuals with oil. Yes, we have budget plans. We have. Uh, we also take state. Uh, we take state heating assistance. We belong to every city and towns uh, community action groups. We've participated with that for twenty years. We're actually thirty or forty now, since the eighties. It's not solar, but you can help people save money on their electricity. Yes. Uh, if they're a commercial customer and they're with the grid, uh, local utility, we can also uh, provide them with electricity and also commercial natural gas for uh, right to their business. To the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, dePietro.com. Remember, weekdays, 11 to 2. But visit the website, dePietro.com. That's the best way to reach me. There's a direct link. Contact John. We also have all our sponsors right there. We have unique, original reporting, stories, videos. Also, all our links 
to social media, whether it's Facebook, when we do Facebook Live or YouTube or Twitter, it's all right there at the website to Petro.com. And then remember, once you're there, you can also visit the shop. We have great gifts that you can get. It's a happening. All links to the show. Plus, if you ever miss any part of the show, it's all right there under radio show right there folks it all starts by logging on at depetro.com and on the left hand side you can always listen live again all our links everything begins and ends right there at the website depetro.com the kui sit in 226 Cohesit Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast is waiting for you at the Cohesit Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Cohesit Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Cohesit Inn.